I just want to welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. Uh, to everybody here at Lone Tree, to our Highland Ranch, uh, Castle Rock, and Lakewood campuses, anybody streaming us online, we are in the midst of, uh, we're actually getting close to wrapping up our uh, series called Is It Possible? And it's a series on hope. Uh, if you've missed any of these messages, I just want to highly encourage you to go back. You know, hope is a very strong, very powerful thing uh, that God uses in our lives uh, as motivation, as encouragement, as blessing. And if, you've, if, if you're a person who's looking for any of those kinds of things in your life, for peace and joy in life, and all the things that we've talked about, I want to encourage you to go back and check out uh, all the other messages that have been taught. This weekend, I get the great pleasure of teaching on hope for change. Hope for change. And before we jump into that, I, I just always want to set the tone with asking the Lord to come in and truly to bless us, to touch our hearts, to open those to what he wants to do uh, for us at all of our campuses, all of our different locations. So if you guys would just pray with me quickly, I'd appreciate it. Father, we come to you as the, uh, the great hope in our lives. Lord God, you have given us many blessings. You have blessed us abundantly. And God, uh, we just come to you right now in this moment this weekend and say, may you have your way in us. Lord, may you do what you desire to do in us. God, I give you uh, this platform, that this, this stage and this opportunity is not for me, but it's for you and your glory, Lord God. And we just ask that each and every one of us would look to you this weekend and that we truly can see the change in our lives happen that you desire, Father, that you would uh, pinpoint that in our lives, that you would show us that, and that we would be able to walk away this weekend and be able to, to truly have hope that is in you, Lord God, hope for change. Do that in our lives, Father God. We give you that opportunity right now. And we pray this in your precious and your holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Hope for change. Well, you know, as I studied this week and last week about this message, the reality of it is, is I felt like the Lord has really spoken a lot to me. And the reality, too, about this is that this is not just a lesson on change. This is a lesson, a lesson on spiritual maturity. You know, when we talk about change in our lives, uh, we can look at change and, and desire that in all different areas and aspects and capacities, and you don't have to be a believer to hope for change in your life, right? Uh, but when we talk about the kind of change that we want to talk about this weekend uh, as God being the foundation of that, then we have to talk about a lesson in spiritual maturity, and whenever I thought about that and I started writing down what I felt like God was saying to me in that, I realized that I had 35 minutes to be able to teach what normally takes a believer a lifetime to learn. And so we're going to get to it right now, all right? So if you guys are ready, I want everybody to grab your notes, and we're going to dive into this and trust that the Lord will direct and guide us through this process. Uh, when we talk about change, when we talk about hope specifically in change, I think it's very important for us to make sure that we lay out a foundation to understand what is the difference between false hope and real hope. You know, because we can hold on to hope in, in all different kinds of situations, in all different kinds of scenarios, but many times, as you probably have experiences like I have in my life, sometimes we hold on to hope, and in reality, what we're holding on to is what's called false hope. False hope is this, and I just kind of lined it out in your notes if you guys want to see this. Um, false hope is whenever we expect change, and we say, this will change even when there's no evidence, and there's no reason shown and presented to me that it will change. So we do this and we think, okay, well, if I hold on to hope and I expect change in this situation, but there's nothing around me circumstantially, there's nothing that shows me that that will change. God hasn't spoken to me. He hasn't shown me anything. He hasn't given me vision for that. I just want it to change. Well, all I realize is that I don't really have the ability, the capability in my will to change a lot of things in my life. 
And so sometimes whenever we hold on to this hope, we have to recognize that one of the best things that we could do is actually sometimes release that because it's holding on to false hope and many times false hope creates bitterness and bitterness uh, determines our viewpoint of God. And then we end up pointing our finger at him being like, well, I was holding on to hope. Why didn't you change anything? It's like, well, did I ever promise that I was going to? So then we have to think about, okay, well, if that's false hope, that's at least one version of false hope. Well, what is real hope? And I think real hope is this, ultimately boiled down to uh, believers, to people who have accepted Christ, to people who go to God and believe in his, his, change, uh, his changing power, his authority in our lives, and the, the capability for him to determine what he desires in our lives. Uh, we have to talk about what real hope is, and real hope is the fact that we say this will change, not because uh, there's no evidence, but because ultimately God is in this. God's desire, his hope, and his will for this is to change. And therefore, I take myself really out of the situation, and I put God in there, and I put my faith in him and say, okay, you know what? Real hope is in God that he can and will change this situation because he has said that's what he will do. And when we have that real kind of hope, that is the kind of hope that changes our lives, that changes our destinies, that changes the world around us. Because when God speaks, I don't know if you understand or believe this, but when God speaks, he has the authority to change anything. He has the capability to change anything. And so when he speaks, when he has clearly defined what his will in our lives is, then that's when we can truly hold on to hope for change. So as I started thinking about this, I I thought, well, okay, if then... Hope for change really requires us to understand what God's will is in our lives, then then this is not just a message on change. This is a message on God's will. This is a message on, I got to figure out what God's will is. I got to be able to understand what his will is, because if I don't understand what his will is, then how do I know if I'm holding on to false hope or I'm holding on to real hope? I'm the barometer at that point in time. It's just kind of what I want, how I feel. But if God is the one that's the foundation of that, then I need to go to him and understand, God, what is your will for change in my life? And I think that all of God's people need to do that same thing. Now, it's sometimes easier said than done, for sure. But I think that there's a passage of Scripture specifically found in Romans chapter 12 where we see God's will in our lives, his will for change in our lives, and our responsibility in that. And this is where we're going to kind of revolve around. We're going we're to be really landing on this and coming back to this Scripture throughout this weekend. Uh, and it's Romans chapter 12 too. It's in your notes. I'm using the ESV version. And it reads this way. It says, Do not be conformed to this world... You guys have all heard this, right? We use this as a foundation in our church. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is what? The will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, so if we want change in our lives and we want to see this happen and we truly want God to do what he wants in our lives, then we need to go to God and say, okay, God, what is your will? God, what is your will for my life? And God has given us the capability to judge that and to understand that and to be able to rightfully divide that. So as we go to God and we ask him these questions, I think that there's two real clear areas of change that we constantly need to be focusing on in our lives. Uh, One that we probably focus on more in our lives, and that would be hope for change in our situations, our circumstances, the things that we touch and feel and experience around us. Right? I think much of our prayer lives probably uh, revolve around this part of our lives, right? our situations. It's kind of the, 
uh, first half of Romans 12, 2. It's the Romans 12, 2a portion of it that says, do not be conformed to this world. Okay? So we use this idea, this first half of the scripture saying, okay, you know what? I realize that my responsibility is not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. This world beats me down, but I'm going to rise up. This world wants to drag me into death, but I'm going to live in life. This world wants to punish my finances, but I'm going to speak blessing over those things. I'm not going to be conformed to the patterns of this world because the patterns of this world many times are dark and evil. And so I'm going to live in a place of life and of blessing. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to be conformed to this world. I'm going to speak faithfully that God is going to bless me, that he's going to give me health, and he's going to give me wealth, and he's going to give me happiness, right? And we get into this prosperity place saying, you know what? I'm not going to conform to the patterns of this world. I'm going to live on a higher level, on a higher realm. And I'm going to trust that as as I hold on to hope, I'm going to hope these things into existence. I'm going to will these things to happen in my life. And while I do think that there is a level of, obviously, a reality that God wants to bless us, it's not really uh, an idea, hope for change is not, I hope I get this, and I hope I get that, and I hope I get more wealth, and I hope I get healthy, and I hope I get happiness. Because what's, what, the, what I found in that situation is, is, is many times we, we end up being kind of like a, like a kid on Christmas Day, right? I hope I get this gift. I hope I get this present. And then when we get it, we enjoy it for a period of time, but eventually we forget that it even exists. We forget that it, you know, it doesn't change our lives. It may change a moment in our lives, but it doesn't change our lives. And here's what I know about God. God is not just into changing moments in our lives. He's into changing our lives as a whole. And so sometimes when we hold on to this kind of a hope for change in our situations, we're not really looking down into the, to the future. We're not looking into the depths of what change really looks like. We look very much on the surface. Now, I think that God very much cares about our situations. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. He cares about those things. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul has given us in this verse a command to say, you know what? It's okay to go to God and to petition him for these things. It's okay to come to him and say, hey, you know what, God? You know my situation. You know where I'm at. You know the pain that I'm feeling, the hurt that I have. You know what? my bank account looks like. And I really could use you to do a miracle in this situation. I really could use some change in this place. God, I could use your miraculous ability to change something in this relationship between me and this person right now. And so I really need to put my hope and trust in you. And that's right. It's okay to do that. It's good to go to God and hope for change. But as we talked about at the beginning, we got to recognize and realize what's the differentiation between false hope and real hope. Are we hoping that that's going to change, but really not seeing anything around us circumstantially or situationally that says that will change? 
Because when we go to God with these things, unfortunately, we find many people in the body of Christ that have gone to God with these things that sound right, that look right, that look good, but God never spoke anything into it. And so when they come to God and they say, God, I was hoping that you would change this situation. I was putting my hope and my trust in you, but yet nothing happened. And bitterness grows and develops. And I think many times God is saying, well, did you ever ask what my will in this situation was? Did you ever look beyond just the situation and ask me, what do I think about this? You know, there's a quote that I found as I was digging into this, and it's by C.S. Lewis. I love this. He says, mere change is not growth. Mere change is not growth. Growth is the synthesis. It's the combination of change and continuity. And when there is no continuity, there is no growth. You see, we, many times as Christians... We use the Bible and we use the word of God and we use what he's spoken to be the quick fix in our lives, to be the thing that it's kind of the band-aid. It's the thing that we put on really quickly to say, hey, you know what, God, if you change this situation, everything's going to be better. In all reality, all we want is the situation to change. We don't want everything to be better because of it. We just want that situation to be fixed. You know, I was thinking about this. There's, a, there's kind of a funny example. I think that whenever we go to God and we use him as that, as the miraculous, magical, kind of fix my situations as they come kind of God, we're playing a game of spiritual let's make a deal, right? Where God's kind of, we're, we're working the deal with God, being like, okay, you know what? Like, I know you can do these things, and I know somewhere out there is the existence of a great blessing from you, and so I'm just going to make a deal with you, and eventually I'm going to kind of poke and to jab around, and, and while I know that maybe you won't tell me the answer of which door I should open, I'm going to choose one and hope for the best what's behind it. And so we make these deals with God, and, and we kind of go through our lives often, and we're just hoping for the best. But we're not necessarily experiencing the life of God in that. We're not experiencing the transformative nature of who he is or even many times asking what his will is. And honestly, there's no hope in that because all we're looking for is change. We're looking for our situation to change, but we're not really looking to grow. And God isn't just into changing us. He's into growing us. You know, a few years back, we actually had a guest pastor in here teaching and he made a statement that I thought was really foundational. It's amazing. And the statement was this, all healthy things grow. If you think about that around you, about everything that, that you experience in life, any healthy thing that's living grows. But if all you're looking for is change in your life, mere change, just like C.S. Lewis said, is not growth. Mere change is just change. What God is looking for is to grow you through that. And it's not that he doesn't want to help change happen, but what he cares more about is growth. Luke chapter 22, verse 42 says, Father, this is Jesus speaking, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Okay, so why do I bring this scripture into place? Well, because I think the reality of the situation is, is I don't know across all of our campuses, across all of our services, what situations you are dealing with in your life. I recognize there's all different types of situations that we're dealing with in life, and some are far more difficult than others. 
But I don't know that there's much more of a difficult situation that anybody has ever walked into than Jesus himself when he sat in the Garden of Gethsemane recognizing that he was about to be murdered. That the weight of this world and the weight of the sin of this world was about to be put on him. And the burden of what he felt at that moment in time led him to ask of his Father in heaven, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. It's okay to go to God and to present to him our desire for change in our circumstances. But there's also something that we learn from the scripture in the way that Jesus handled it, that we don't just go to him saying, hey, God, you know what? Can you take this away from me, please? But there's an ultimate place when we put God as the authority in our lives that we have to say what Jesus said. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see, church, God cares about your situation. And I don't want to belittle or demean what you're walking through in life. But what I do know is this, that God cares way more about you than he really does about your situation. And while your situation is important to him, the reality is, is that this is life and none of us get out alive. That one day these situations will be gone, that they will be done with but you will be living eternally. And your situations that we deal with, each and every one of us here in this world, they will be gone, they will flee, they will go away, they might change even in this lifetime. But the one thing that will never change is the spirit that has been placed inside in each, every, each and every one of us, and it's our responsibility to make sure that we recognize that. God values you way more than he does just the situations that you deal with in life. You know, I said going into this weekend, I realized that quite honestly, point one, as we talk about a series on hope, point one can sometimes get us to a place actually that's a little bit hopeless when we recognize our inability to truly change things around us, our lack of authority through our will to command things into existence or out of existence. That's kind of hopeless because it's like, well, I guess I'm just going to let life happen. But here's the reality of the situation. It's so good to get to a place of hopelessness in our situation because God is in us. He's not just in this world and dealing with our situations. It's okay to get hopeless in our situations because really what happens is, I actually just had a conversation with somebody about this this week. When we get to the end of who we are and our capabilities, that's when God finally is able to take over and do what only he can do. God is just waiting for us to get to the end of our situations and trying to fix those things and trying to put those together and trying to hold on to false hope and saying, man, I was just, I've been waiting here. You've taken forever to get over to this place. I've just been waiting. If you would have just laid down all of these things and come to me and said, God, what do you want in this situation? What do you will in this situation? What's your desires in this situation? How are you going to change these things? Maybe I could have done something that you couldn't have. I'm just saying. <laughs> so then we get to this place where we recognize, okay, you know what? I need to go deeper than just my situations. I, didn't, I need to look beyond just the surfacey issues 
that I deal with. And I need to look at the thing that really is the only thing that I can control in my life, and that's me. Because while I can't control and determine how certain situations happen, what I can control is myself. And while God cares about my situations, what he cares more about is me. And it goes the same for every believer. And so rather than living half of the verse, rather than living the whole do not be conformed to the patterns of this world and just speaking that out, we then live the other half of this scripture, the Romans 12 to be, be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, whenever we walk and we navigate in this place, we actually put ourselves in an amazing place and location in time where we can actually understand what God's will is. We're not just grasping and grabbing it, trying to change things and circumstances in our lives, but we actually go after what God's will is for these things. And it's promised to us that as we are not conformed to the patterns of this world, that we become transformed by the renewal of our minds so that with that renewed mind, we can test what is good and acceptable and perfect in the will of God. And if you know the will of God, we back up all the way to the beginning of this message, if you know what the will of God is, then you actually have the ability to have real hope in a situation as opposed to false hope. You actually know and recognize because he has spoken this or because he has said this or because this is his will and this is, these are his plans that I can hold on and I can hold on tight to the fact that this will change. And I don't just speak circumstantially, I speak personally. Because God wants to change us. Ultimately, his will and desire is to change us. Because when he gets us, he gets all the situations and he gets all the relationships and he gets all the thoughts and he gets all the feelings and he gets all the emotions. He gets everything. I think sometimes we, um, we put the cart before the horse, if you will. Because we experience externally much of the weight of this world and it's very real. The emotions, the physical pain, the relationships, the financial struggles. And we think, well, you know what, I can, I can fix this on a surface level. I, I was actually thinking about this and, and the reality of how sometimes we play this out in our lives, and it would be like you, as you raise your children, and they get to a certain age, right? They get to that 16-year-old age, and they get, their, uh, they, they get old enough to be able to drive a car. It would be like a 16-year-old coming to you, or a 15-year-old, or really any kid at that matter, coming to you and saying, you know what, because I've reached this point in my life, I feel like I am capable of handling this automobile without any training, without any help, without any direction. You know, really what I want, mom and dad, is I just would like for you to, to give me the keys to the car. I really don't need to go through driver's ed. I know all this stuff. I've seen you do it before. I've seen, you know, it's, it's, it, this is pretty simple, right? How foolish would any of us be to hand the keys of our car over to a 15-year-old? Very foolish. Why? 
because they're not really capable of changing and handling the environment that they're about to be given. Now, while they would love to be able to have that and be able to control it and be able to think that they can handle it, ultimately, they haven't been trained and brought up and developed into what they need to be to be able to be a safe driver. Now, even after driver's ed, who knows if they're that. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I, I was always um, just enamored with driving. I, I thought it was the coolest thing. In fact, I would always ask my parents, do you like driving? They're like, well, I guess. But I always thought it was just the most amazing thing. And so I don't know how old I was. I was young. I was probably six or seven or eight years old. My family went off and we attended a block party. Uh, they don't really have many of those anymore. But we went and we attended a block party. And we brought the whole family and everybody was parked along the street and everybody was enjoying hanging out in the front yard, barbecuing, having a party, just enjoying time with each other. And I looked out there and I saw my parents' car. And I thought, you know what? I've watched them drive this enough. I kind of know how this whole thing functions. I'm pretty sure that I can handle this and it looks like a lot of fun. So my six or seven or eight-year-old self decided to wander away from the party, walk down to the sidewalk, jump in an unlocked car, which I'm not sure why it was unlocked. It was my parents' car, and pretend that I was driving. And I was having fun and enjoying it. And as I sat there, I moved the car from park into neutral. Well, what's really interesting is and God, I guess, has a sense of humor because this block party where this house was, was on a hill. <laughs> and that hill pointed straight down. And so I, with all my wisdom and all my capabilities and ability to drive and change my situation because I knew what needed to happen, I knew that I was able to actually handle this vehicle, I got in behind that wheel and I started driving that thing about five feet down the road until I smacked right into the back of another car. Thank God that car was there, because who knows where I would be today. But as I sat there and as I was, you know, steering the wheel, and I realized, oh, my goodness, this thing, this is not good. I'm not in control. I'm not actually handling this appropriately. I look out the window, and I see my parents running <laughs> down the grass. And it's like there's, there's a half look of panic, and I think that probably was from my mom. The panic came from my mom, and the other portion of it, the anger of, like, Oh, what are you doing, kid, came from my dad, right? And as they run over there, I remember, first of all, it's like, oh, thank God, are you okay? Yep, all right, whack! <laughs> and that's funny, but, you know, the reality of the situation is I think that's a lot of times how we deal with our lives, right? That's how we handle things. We feel like if this changed, then everything is going to be better. If I can get behind the wheel of this and I could change my situations and my circumstances, I'm going to be able to drive this car the right way. And yet God is trying to develop us into people. He's trying to teach us and to train us the fact that we all live under laws in this world and we all live under his authority ultimately. And while he cares about our situations and he wants us to be able to drive one day and he wants to be able to help us and he wants to bless us and he wants us to be able to have authority maybe that we don't even have right now in our own lives, he needs to raise us up in that. In order for that to happen, we got to go to class, right? right? We got to spend time with the one who knows how to drive. We got to spend time learning who we are and how we were created and how that relationship with him is supposed to work out because if we don't know that and we don't operate in that, then how in the world are we going to actually apply that to our lives appropriately? We just do what we think we know best to do. 
And so God is trying to capture us, and he's trying to get a hold of us and saying, you know what, I care about what you care about, and I care that you're hurting, and I care that you need to change this, and I care about these things, but I care more about you than I do those things, because if I get you, I also get those things. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 tells us that it is God who works in us. He is the one who is working, operating inside of us. But here's what's amazing. He doesn't just work in us. He works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's time for us to have a mindset mindset change. We have to now start living beyond the whole idea that this is God in my image. God, you need to do this, and you need to operate this way, and you're going to, you're going to, you're kind of going to have to conform to the way that I want you to be, right? We change, we have to change the mindset moving from God in my image to us in God's image. What does this do? Well, it changes everything. It changes our prayer lives. It changes God's authority to actually do what he wants to do in us? You know, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed a prayer that is, God, I really need you to come through in this. God, I really need you to do this or to do that or act this way or make this happen or make that person feel really bad and come back and apologize to me. (laughs) God, I need you to do this. And God's like, well, I don't really think it works that way. This is not about me doing what you want. This is about you being changed and transformed into my image so that you can give me glory and therefore so that I can bless you in the ways that I have already set and established and deemed since the foundations of this world were created. Who are you to come in and change what I have made? And then you get to a place that you're like, okay, whoa. Then God changed me. Because if my thinking's not right and the way that I approach this is not right, then God, really what needs to happen is that you need to change me. You need to change who I am. And we stop attacking the situations around us and we stop trying to deal with the fruit and the the surfacey issues and we start to deal with the root and the foundation, the tree that is there. There's a passage of scripture. I love this passage of scripture. Matthew 13, 33. It says, Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good or else make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is known by its fruit. What in the world does that mean? It means this. If you just go after the fruit and you see negative fruit being played out situationally in your life and you try to change that fruit, it doesn't matter how hard you work to change that fruit. If the tree still needs to be changed, then it's going to keep producing whatever it is. So if the tree is bad... The tree is selfish. The tree thinks only internally. The tree thinks, I know better than God. Then what's going to happen? The fruit that's going to be produced of that is negative fruit. It's bad fruit because the tree is bad. I don't think appropriately. Therefore, the actions and the circumstances that are played out in my life are not, they're going to be what they are. They're going to come from the roots of that tree. And so Jesus is saying, hey, look, here's the deal. You can't just go after the fruit. You can't just try to change the situations. You need to change the tree. You've got to go look into yourself and change who you are. You need to be rooted in me because whenever I get you and I change who you are, then the fruit changes. 
And so there's a backwards situation here. Whenever we deal with things like anger in our lives, we don't fix anger, we fix ourselves. We fix who we are. We have to change the tree. We have to let God come in and transform us into who we were created to be. Now, this is not an easy situation. It's not an easy battle to do. But there's hope and there's life in that. Because here's the deal. God's will for our lives and what we really can define as real hope is not found just in your situations. But it's found that for every believer, everybody who has accepted Christ as their Lord and their Savior has been given what Scripture tells us called Christ in me. Christ in me is what Scripture defines as the hope of glory. They're going to pull it up here in just a second. It's at the end of your notes, and it says, it's found in Colossians 1.27. It says, To his saints, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's an incredible blessing that is found for every person who is engaged in a true relationship with the risen Savior. This word, saints, I looked it up. It's a Greek word, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce what the Greek word is. But it means those who are consecrated to God, those who are holy, sacred, or set apart for him. To anyone who has set themselves apart, called his saint, who have accepted who he is, God has willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And what is the glory of this mystery? It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Church, here's where I'm getting with this. That every person who has made Jesus the Lord of their life has Christ deposited into them. You have been given Christ in you. And the reality is, is while you may experience the fact that there is very little hope sometimes in this world, and circumstantially and situationally, there is great hope in the fact that you have a portion of God in you. And if you haven't heard anything else that I've said to you this weekend, I want you to know something. That God wants to change you. He wants to shape you and mold you into Someone who is a vessel of worship to him. Who's a person that uses the renewed mind at Romans 12 too. The ability to hear and capture every thought and understand and filter what his will is. Because when we know his will, we walk in real hope. I live in a world where I see false hope played out all around me. People holding on to things that maybe never will come to pass because nothing's ever shown and proved that it will come to pass. But God is calling us as believers to be people of real hope. Be people who hold on to the fact that he has been deposited into you. And when we have engaged and entered into that relationship with him, he speaks to us. He lives in us. He begins to transform us. And everything that comes in is filtered through, God, is this you? What is your will? What is your desire in my life? God is totally into change. He's totally into change. But what he's not into is just changing your circumstances. 
He's into changing us in those circumstances. And that's where hope is found. Christ in us, the hope of glory. At the very beginning, I said, here's the reality. This is a lesson on spiritual maturity. And I realize that this weekend, this will fall on many ears. And I don't know where you're at in that place. I don't know where you're at with really believing that God is the ultimate authority or that it really matters what his desires or his will is for our lives. But what I do know is this, is that foundationally, as scripture has told us, God is the creator of this Not just this world, he is the author of all things, all life. And when we come to him and we bow before him and we give him the appropriate place in our lives as the authority in our lives, we give him the opportunity to do what he needs and wants to do in our lives. And when we deny that, we get to experience the fruit of it. And so what I want to do is I want to petition every person that may hear this, every person at all of our campuses, every person that may be listening to this online, Are you willing to bow your knee to the God who has the ability to change all things in your life? Are you willing to relinquish control of your situations and to say and determine what you want change to look like and to give God the authority to say, you know what, have your way? Do you trust him to be gentle and kind? Because he is. He cares for every one of us. He cares for you individually. And he will meet you in the place where you're at, but you need to give yourself up to him and say, you know what, God? Change me. Shape me. Mold me into who you want to be. Because from there is where life is found. There is where our roots become planted and the fruit eventually that is bare because of it is good. God wants you to experience good fruit in your lives. And the way that you're going to do it is you're going to plant in him. Make the tree good, and the fruit will be good. Make the tree bad, and the fruit will be bad. You will be known by your fruit. And Christ has called you and beckoned you into a place of saying, I have deposited Christ in you, and he will be the hope of glory of change in your life. If you want that, I want to invite you in. We're going to pray. And we're just going to do that. I don't have any authority in my words or my ability. God is the one with the authority to do these things. And so we're going to go petition the one who can and desires to change our lives. The one where hope is found. So if that's you this weekend at all of our campuses, all of our locations, let's bow our heads and let's go to him. Father, you are holy. You are a righteous God, an amazing king. You are Lord over all. And God, ultimately, we come to a place that we say, Father, may you mature us in you. May you get us to a place where we stop thinking about the situations and the circumstances and allow those things to be what we focus on. But Lord, we put our focus in you. And we say, God, in you, what you have deposited in us, may you allow that to grow and to change and to breed, Father, and to just make an amazing change and transformation in who we are. God, change us, mold us, shape us. Give us hope in that, Lord God.
For we proclaim that you are the satisfying God. You are the God who brings life. We praise you in that, God. God, I thank you that when we come to you, every person that truly comes and bows their knees to you, Lord, that you lift their heads up and you say, I'm here with you. And I will change you and I will bless you. I will bring you into a place of experiencing greater life than you could have ever imagined or created yourself. God, help us get to the end of ourselves so that we can experience the transformation that comes from you. You are our hope. You are our real hope. And we focus on you, Lord, and set our eyes to you. God bless every person that hears this. May your word go out without any limitations. May you powerfully do what in us what only you can do, God. We pray this in your precious and your holy name. Amen.